podcast is airy in the air so stoked you're here oh today i have not recorded a monologue in quite some time and uh my motivation and productivity on the podcast has been a little bit of a lull but it has been rising steadily lately i've done a couple of recordings lately with John Verveke, who if you followed this podcast or any of the metamodern Game B stuff, you know, is kind of a rock star of that corner of the internet. Um, Greg Enriquez, psychologist from James Madison University. Um, and most recently, another episode with Alexander Bard, the Scandinavian philosopher king. These calls have been super good, and today, after this monologue, I will edit said podcasts. Those podcasts are a part of a collaboration series I'm doing with the Neurohacker Collective, um, which is one of my sponsors. They make Qualia, which is a nootropic supplement, cognitive enhancing supplement. The CEO is James Schmachtenberger, a person who I really respect and have been having really lovely conversations with on myriad subjects. So that is all to say that there's amazing things in the works here at the Area in the Air podcast, and I'm so stoked that you're here. As always, I am doing philosophical coaching. I'm taking clients. Um, so if you need help untying existential knots, please consider reaching out. Um, Airintheair.com is the place that you can find all the info about philosophical coaching, including the link to schedule yourself a intro call. So, without further ado, let's listen to some music, something nice. It's going to put us in the mood. And then I just want to kind of give you the latest lessons that I've had um, that have been stewing and brewing in me for quite some time, and I feel like you know, there's a cycle of my own inspiration and my own processing around my life and its lessons and what is good and true and beautiful. And I feel like I'm just at the beginning of a big integration here in my relationships with other people and what is loving and what is good. And I'm excited to share those things with you. So Here's a little music, and welcome back to the show, my friends.
So, you guys, um, let's start with relationships. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that relationships and their texture is something that has interested me for a long time. And I've given relational advice here, and I've been pretty public with the insights that I've gleaned in relationship. And I think I'm gleaning a new set of those. And I'm in a position where I can contrast the relational lessons that I'm learning right now with the ones that I've learned in relationships past. So, and maybe I can hopefully articulate in a coherent and helpful way those lessons which are uh, stacking on themselves. They transcend and include each other, and I'm happy to feel that integration. So, I am finding myself in a new relationship, and it's exciting and lovely, and if I'm finding it to be, I think, the least anxious I've ever been in the start of a relationship, and I think that has to do with a lot of work that I've done in myself in the last year and um, the integration of some lessons from various sources that I'm going to uh, kind of point you to towards today as well. So let's roll the clock back a bit um, and just kind of like get a bit gritty and intimate here with my own path. And my own path, I would say, started when I was I think I was just before I was even 20 years old. I think I was 19 years old. I traveled to Mexico and I met this woman who within 18 months was my wife. Um, we were together for almost nine years. And that was an incredibly transformational experience. Uh, facing the fear of commitment and and basically bumble-fucking through a long committed relationship to have all kinds of things arise and stuff them down, including my own sexual desires and fantasies and all kinds of things. And, um, I think there was also a lot of alcohol and marijuana and a lot of really intense freestyle skiing, (laughs) At the time, I was pursuing professional skiing and going off huge jumps backwards and doing flippy-doos and landing on my feet most of the time. Um, and it was also in that same relationship that I found highlining and started highline really intensely and then eventually paragliding as well. Um, and I think that it was so much of that relational stability I had that allowed me to take risk outside of my relationship and dedicate so much of my time to learning sports. And, um, you know, by having partnered with someone, my overhead was incredibly low and all of those different logistical pieces were super conducive to that kind of lifestyle. Towards the end of that relationship, I think I, um, you know, I'd always, before that relationship started, I had found philosophy through the peaceful parenting series that Stefan Molyneux had created. Stefan Molyneux has been scrubbed from the internet 
via cancel culture, which is a tragedy. Uh, although I don't agree with everything he says, he does have an incredible position on parenting and the welfare of children. And anyone who is a staunch advocate for the welfare of children, I have a hard time believing they need to be canceled. <laughs> um, but I'll digress on that. But the my point being that I... basically forgot why I was married. I didn't understand why that was important. And then as Jordan B. Peterson, as I found Peterson, and I found Peterson like uh, indie, as like a an indie album in some obscure record store, I found Peterson on YouTube when he was just starting to upload his first lectures. And so... I have a certain affinity for Jordan Peterson like I found him before anyone else did and um, have been so smitten with his rise to fame because his message has been incredibly useful for me and I have integrated it um, pretty deeply into my life and am stacking more and more complex ideas on top of it. So... About halfway through my marriage, I, maybe two-thirds of the way through it, I actually kind of realized that it was really important to me how I showed up as a partner. And that is a great place to start, but I bobbled that lesson for a long time, I think, and have only... I don't know, I guess as I look back on that, I feel proud of myself that I've come as far as I have with how I can show up as a person and a partner and a, and a friend. So that was like the inception of these lessons. That was basically the groundwork for like, oh, I realized really deeply that what is good, true, and beautiful is what I want. And I want to align myself with that and my behavior with that. After the, after the end of that marriage, I found another partner who I spent three years with. And in that relationship and in the inception of it, I found myself, you know, if I look back, I, I find that when I find a new relationship, I become incredibly inspired by relationships themselves, by love and by relationships, and I get turned on existentially that my head wants to use the inspiration as a means to verbalize and concretize the lessons that I have learned as well as integrate and aim at new and more complex, deeper lessons. And in the relationship that followed my marriage, I think that the lesson, if I were to try to uh, speak it into existence, was something along the lines of integrity of behavior, that there would be some coherence between the things that I said I was going to do and what I really did. And that was an incredibly important lesson. The idea that you want to have a outward integrity that you will show up in a way that 
is how you said you would, as well as in alignment with what you find to be good, true, and beautiful, is an incredibly important stage of development. It's incredibly important, and it was so invigorating for me to want to aim really high in relationships, aim really high for my character, for how people would experience me. And it was a really beautiful time that I held myself to a really, really high standard and did my absolute damnedest to show up in that way. A great, great time of my life. A beautiful time of my life. I was very inspired. And I think that the lesson there was integrity. But since then, I've learned some shit. That when I look back onto that time, I think that my my thinking there was a bit puritanical. And when I say puritanical, I mean that I was setting up strict guidelines for myself and then trying to follow the rules that I had set for myself. And this is an important skill to have. This is an important level of development to be able to set guides and follow them. It's really important. And this is... um. I think that some of this stuff helps a lot when it gets hard, when shit gets hard and things kind of start going off the rails. A system that can externally guide your behavior um, that hopefully you've created yourself, that you've chosen where those guardrails are. Obviously, religion has created those guardrails for thousands of years, and that's been incredibly helpful for people. Um, when things get difficult, I think it's super, super important to be able to do. But when I say that I think it was a bit puritanical, I hadn't yet realized the depth of my own conditioning that had my preferences in that chosen for me. So that is to say that when I was making those rules that I was following, when I was picking and aiming for the virtues that I wanted to integrate into my behavior, I didn't yet realize the depth to which I was conditioned to want those particular things. I had thought it so beautiful to be a really devout husband and to be a really good partner and to not do harm to your people and I still believe that today but there's a different origin for it um, so like I said I think that the lesson in that relationship was integrity that I would be able to behave in a way externally that was in alignment with what I said and my values that I could articulate a very beautiful thing and if I were to try to articulate what this lesson lately seems to be, it would be a difference in origin of the behavior, I think.
let me fill that in a little bit here. So between these two relationships, I basically have, I dated a woman for 10 months that was very intense and I struggled with a bit of a addictive pattern in the relationship, kind of boom and bust. Um, uh, struggled with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of confusion and distance. Um, logistically, there was so much distance between our physical geographical residences, which created an enormous challenge um, that I don't really recommend. But not impossible to deal with, but it's not something that I would wish on anyone. Um, and after that, I have spent about a year with what I would lovingly call polyamory, meaning that my kept the scope of my relationships, my intimate and romantic relationships, somewhat uh, fluid and not necessarily casual, but like uh, unexclusive. Um, and it was an amazingly rich time for me to grow. It was very informative for me as to the things that come up in relationship it showed me what comes up in relationship for me and it became obvious how I had used the definition and boundaries of my previous relationships as ways to protect myself from my insecurities. Specifically that my insecurity of abandonment, I would make, I would use devotion as a way to protect myself from that insecurity. I would use monogamy or monogamy like sexual monogamy as a way to protect my insecurities of enoughness around sex and those are not it's not i i don't like have shame on myself that i look back and i'm like oh i was trying to protect myself from my insecurities of course we are like of course i am like trying to avoid the pain of abandonment the pain of being alone all of these different things that uh, at the time were fraught in my psyche in the last year it seems that i've gotten a bit more comfortable with myself uh, which is long story short um, it seems now that i I'm not looking for these relationships to patch all of my holes existentially. I'm not looking to be fixed or as coddled as I once was. And I don't say that in a um, shaming way. I, I, I think I've had an amazing I've had an amazing experience in relationships and I've grown so 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 much and I've I know things that I wish, everyone did. That's why I'm here. I want to share with you some of these lessons that I've worked so, so fucking hard to integrate into myself and to glean. And I'm such a verbal processor that I think uh, 
that's um, talking through these things and philosophizing about relationships has been so incredibly helpful for me. So I hope it can be helpful for you. So to contrast the lesson of integrity to the lesson of late, <laughs> the lesson of late, the lesson of late, if I were to call the, the first, that, that, that initial lesson integrity, then this lesson is almost like beingness or authenticity. Okay. The yeah so and th and this one is much more it's more difficult to articulate it's more difficult difficult to articulate so essentially this lesson is essentially becoming very sensitive to what it's like to be me and being more rigorously dead set on the behavior that comes out of me just being the behavior that arises in me. It is less constricting of what I think I should do. Right? In the previous lesson, it was like finding values and then finding ways to embody those values externally through behavior. And this lesson is more like like watching what comes up in my behavior, thought, and feeling. The lesson here is that if I modify my behavior to what I think people will like, then I'm manipulating them. That is to say that if I manage my sexuality in a way that will make, that I assume will make my partner comfortable, then I'm making myself small. And in doing so, I'm manipulating the other person into relationship with me. That is to say that if I let my sexuality be exactly what it's going to be and let my partner feel about that, however they're going to feel about it, which may have them leave the relationship with me. If I do anything less than that, then I'm manipulating them into relationship with me, which doesn't sound good, right? Like we all, I think we all have this negative response to being manipulative and we we, we don't want to manipulate people as a principle and we really want to feel like the people who are relating to us are relating to us authentically because they want to be here in relationship with us. They want to be in relationship. And it's not that we've just like modified, manipulated and, and coerced them into relationship. But there's a the ability for us to manipulate or coerce people into relationship or modify their behavior is a rabbit hole that we ought go down if we want to 
find people who will relate to us authentically and genuinely from a place that feels good for them, we really need to go down the rabbit hole of all the myriad ways that we can modify other people's behavior through our own belittling of our authentic preferences and behaviors. Does that make sense? It's like, if I make myself small to protect you from experiencing negative emotion, I am inherently manipulating you to feel a certain way. It's also important for me to feel heard here that we take that former lesson, that integrity, where you take wisdom and goodness and you take like traditions and you steel man those traditions to understand what it was that they were pointing at and then in doing so you can enact a behavior in yourself that is in alignment with what is good true and beautiful that you find both inside of yourself and outside so that lesson the former lesson, this new one, this authenticity stacks on top of that. Okay, it's not a, it doesn't replace it. It transcends and includes that. So it's not a move towards hedonism from integrity. It's a move towards authenticity in integrity. So you could be integrous with your values, but if the values were put there by someone else, if the values were conditioned into you, then are they really the values that you want to be integrating? And if they are authentically arising in you, then the integration there is essentially a manifestation of where you are and not a control of how else you would be. So that's to say that there is effort in integrity. And then when you can get to the next level of really authentic, of authenticity, the effort goes away right? The effort is like the practice. And then the authenticity is the effortless effervescence of who you are and what it's like to be you. Um, I've spoken about this on this podcast as intimacy, the combination of sensitivity to what it's like to be you and then the courage to speak it, act it, do it, live it. And those are really important things. Um, those are really important and are very useful nomers for this kind of thing. Um, but I think one of the, you know, to, to continue to riff on this lesson, it's basically that you have to let people not like you, right? If you're going to let people like you. If you really genuinely from a place that's beneath you, deeper than you, 
your cognitive self, if your behavior emanates from that place, then people can decide whether or not they want to be around you, be in relationship with you. If you start getting your head in the mix and you say, okay, like, well, I assume she wants me to behave in this way. And so you start to behave in a way that you think that she's going to like, you are manipulating her into relationship with you. That's not to say that you can't feel into what she likes or needs and and do that but the motivating animating force beneath that behavior can easily be a fear of abandonment it could also be a wellspring of loving serving giving life force that is inside of you but the difference in the delineation there is of incredible import and that I feel like is the lesson between or the the contrast between these two lessons that I've had in my last few relationships the difference between integrity right like using your head to find values that feel good and using discipline to enact them through your behavior and the ability to really sensitively feel into yourself and let your behavior manifest from there. I hope that contrast between those two different things makes sense. It feels great in me now. I feel like my experience is that I'm more of myself and I'm letting myself almost like show me who I am, like show me how I am, show me what I want. It's like I'm just a bit more sensitive to like what it's like and what I want and and just kind of like letting people or like facing the reality that people might not want to relate to me or like a specific person might not want to and feeling very confident that there are people out there who do. Um, it's a really nice feeling and there's also been some other things that are like really kind of banging this temporal uh, fragility of existence over my head lately. And one of them is that my dog, my beautiful Great Dane, her name is Mina. I'm sure you've heard her bark if you've listened to this podcast. Um, there she is lapping up water. She's very old. She's almost 11 years old, which is very old for a Great Dane. She has this, like, recently broken her rear foot, and so it's huge and swollen, and she's limping around, and everyone looks at her and is like, oh, my God, like, what's going on with the dog? She's so old. And so it's become more and more obvious to me that the dog is not going to live forever and that I'm watching her wither. I'm watching her in her very late stage of her life, and... That is a pretty profound experience, honestly. I just like, I'm finding myself looking at her and just like so glad that she's here today. Like she's still here. I kind of wake up in the morning and I'm like, I like kind of watch her chest rise and fall with her breath. And that like verifies that she's alive yet another day. And I'm super grateful for that. 
the other thing lately has been that um, I've been base jumping and base jumping is a beautiful kind of death it's death work you're kind of looking at your fate every time it's like enacting your own suicide every time saved by a parachute it's a really beautiful practice it's kind of short and it's sweet and it's intense and it's uh, time is dilated it's really super cool and so I think I have um, between those two things and the other thing is the change in my relationships as of late there's been a number of relationships that I've had that have been romantic and intimate and wonderful that have been transitioning into a more um, less romantic, less partnery, and more platonic, and that has been a process that I've really appreciated, and I've put a lot of effort into being able to still imagine what is good and true and beautiful, what is loving, what does it mean to love someone. Uh, how do I want to show up in that relationship? All of those questions are still really fresh and salient in my mind. And I've been proud of myself and how those things, how those relationships have unfolded amidst the deep inquiry of what is good and true and beautiful and what is um, loving. How is it to show up in a loving way, even though the relationship is changing and undergoing um, uh transformation a, a, a transmutation so and <clears throat> all, most all of this work as of late has been guided by this book that Daniel Schmachtenberger recommended it's called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello I can't recommend it anymore I've a number of my friends have bought it on my recommendation and it is so incredibly clarifying illuminating and encouraging it is incredibly cutting um, it's really concise. It's short. It's beautiful. I so highly recommend it. Um, it has been really clarifying for me and it's been so helpful for me to ask the question really deeply of what is, what does it mean to love someone? What does it mean to love? What are the characteristics of love? Um, and I think societally we have it a bit wrong. I think we kind of use love as like romantic possession. Um, and not the texture of a really deep awareness that I think love really is. Um, I would also point you in the direction of Mark Gaffney and Zach Stein, who are really working a lot with the cosmoerotic consciousness, like the idea that love is the force that pulls atoms together into molecules, molecules into cells, cells into organelles, organelles into fucking organisms, organisms into ecology, ecology into planet, planet into system, solar system, solar system into cosmos, like these greater and greater holes that have whole pieces all the way down and holes all the way up. Um, the animating force of all of that being love is a very interesting concept and a beautiful perspective on the universe and our existence i highly recommend that um so those are kind of my recommended readings and i would love to be in this conversation with you um if you have questions or existential knots 
especially regarding your relationships, please feel free to reach out to me. I've been um, just smitten with the philosophical coaching work that I've done, and uh, as it pertains to relationships, is always so fulfilling for me. So if you'd like to be in this inquiry together, please check out airintheair.com. I've got my old Great Dane moaning at me to go outside and get food. So um, I appreciate you listening to my latest ruminations on love and relationships, and I hope it's uh, inspiring for you. Um, I'm here for you. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode. Love. Peace.